Welcome, everyone. We're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, back to Church Sunday. Welcome, Smyrna Campus. We're so glad you guys are there. Everybody that's connected with us online, thank you for connecting that way. It is a joy to have people back together face-to-face -to -face and online as a part of the church family. Uh, this is exciting. I know many of you have been inviting others to come. I want to clue you in on one thing. You don't have to stop inviting just because... We're past, you know, back to church Sunday this next week. You can still keep inviting people to come and reconnect with the church if they are not already connected to a church somewhere. Maybe they've never been connected to the church, and you could be the one God uses to work through to help them get connected, and it can change their lives forever. So thank you all who've been inviting people, and uh, thank you all for coming that are here and for connecting online that are connected that way. We have been in a series called Stronger Together. And this series is based on a theme verse in an Old Testament book of wisdom called Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning with verse 9, it says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The theme there is the fact that God designed us to need each other, to be connected to each other. That's why we love Back to Church Sundays, because it's an effort to get people to reconnect, to know we need to be not only connected to God, just, you know, sometimes Christians think or, or people can think, well, it's a personal thing. It's just between me and God. But that's not how Christianity works. That's not how God designed it to work. He designed it to be where as we connect to God, we also connect to each other. I am so happy. We finally got my mother-in-law back to church today. Miss Lois is here. So, yeah. You know, she got out of church and we didn't want, you know, it was hard to get her back. But uh, uh, she's been wanting to be here the whole time. So it's really good to see her back. And everybody, I know some of you are back for the first time since the pandemic hit, back face-to-face -face for the first time. Many of you have still been connecting online, and I'm grateful you've been able to do that. But it is so good to be able to be back face-to-face -face with everybody that's ready to take that step now. Uh, the video that you watch leading into the message today talks about life groups, and that's part of how we're stronger together when we connect together. One of the ways we connect together is through our life groups. Next Sunday night, we have a kickoff for a new session of Rooted Life Groups. Rooted is an, a life group experience, and if you've never been through it, I really want to encourage you to go through it at least one time. Now, that kickoff is going to be down at our Smyrna campus. Smyrna guys are ready for that. They're going to host us there. And we would love for you, if you're not already connected to a life group, to go ahead and register in advance and plan to be there for that life group kickoff Sunday night. Uh, you can register on a kiosk out in the lobby. You can do it through our website at lakeshorechristian.com. Uh, go ahead and get signed up, and we will help you when you come there that night, get connected with a life group to go through the Rooted experience together. In the series we've been doing, based on this Stronger Together theme, we've already seen over the last two weeks how we are stronger in Christ. And when we're connected in Christ, then even in our weakness, we are stronger. 
Even when we're weak, that's when his strength is seen more clearly, even in our weakness. If you've missed any of these, they are uh, still archived. You can look at them on our website, again, lakeshorechristian.com. But also, I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Lakeshore Christian has a YouTube channel. All of our videos are archived there from past messages. And so you could go to YouTube, to Lakeshore Christian Church there, and just hit subscribe, and you'll always have access to all of those messages that are archived there. It's a great way for you to catch up if you've missed something along the way. I love what we're focusing on today. We've learned that we're stronger in Christ, but here's what happens when we connect to Christ. Here's what's supposed to happen. We find that we are stronger in unity with each other because if you connect to Christ and I connect to Christ, our common connection to Christ, what does that do for us? It connects us too. It connects us in a relationship to each other through Jesus Christ, and we are stronger in connection with other Christ followers, always, than we could ever be just trying to do this thing on our own. I love that we are part of a church family. Lakeshore Christian Church is part of a family of believers all over the world who belong to what has been called the Restoration Movement. That movement was a movement to restore the church back to the pattern of the New Testament. And a theme of the Restoration Movement is unity in the church, bringing people together to just be Christians and to stop dividing ourselves into all these different groups and sects and denominations that exist out there. But instead, just to come together to lift up Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Our goal should not be to advance a, a denomination or to advance a, a particular group within the church family, but to advance Jesus Christ, to lift him up and call people to unite together in Christ. So if we focus on Jesus and our connection to him, that helps us understand how we need to be connected to each other. So, so the mission statement, the vision statement for Lakeshore is simply this. Lakeshore exists to connect people to Christ and to each other to grow people to maturity in Christ, and to serve people in the name of Christ. So it's just three key things, all right? I want you to repeat just the, the key words after me. Connect, grow, serve. All right, so it all begins with connecting. And when we connect to Christ, like I said, that helps us then. Remember the first part of that vision statement, connect people to Christ and each other. When we connect to Christ, and you connect to Christ. Remember, we, we connect to each other. And when we connect to each other, I'm stronger because of you. I am. And you will be stronger because of your connection to other people who love Jesus and want to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean they've got their act together in every area of their lives. None of us do. But it's our connection to Christ that bonds us to each other, even though we may be very, very different. That's one of the things that is most amazing about God's plan for the church. His plan for the church is from any background, from any ethnicity or race, from any social economic sta uh, standard that you're living in, no matter what portion or part of the country or the world that you live in, here's the thing. We can all still be united together in Christ. That, that's an amazing thing because the world struggles with this more than anything else. Right now, you're seeing it all over the world, the tension and, and, and the division and the, and the hatred that's going on out there. And there is a solution to this. 
And it's not based on who gets elected this year. That's not the solution. The solution is to bring people together in Christ because it's all about where your heart is. And Christ transforms us. So today we're going to look at four key lessons on unity from a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. Turn there with me if you would. John chapter 17, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John chapter 17. We're going to pick up with a prayer that he's praying. We're going to pick up in verse 20. But leading up to that, Jesus is praying for his disciples that are right there with him. Because here's what's going to happen. Shortly after he prays this prayer for them, he's going to be arrested. And he's going to be taken through the mockery of a trial. He's going to be beaten and crucified, nailed to that cross, and then put in that tomb dead. And those disciples are going to see all of that happen. And so he's praying that his father would strengthen them for what they're about to go through. But then in verse 20, the prayer shifts, all right? And it, it takes a different direction. Instead of just praying for those disciples right then, he begins to pray in verse 20 for all disciples that are yet to come. For the future followers of Jesus Christ. So who is he praying for here? All of us here today, listening today, connected online today, who believe in and follow Jesus Christ. He's praying for us. Isn't that cool? Jesus was already praying for us. And what does he pray for us? Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, those disciples that were there. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be, what's that word? One, Father just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be, what's that word? One, as we are, what's that word? One, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete, what's that word? Unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. He says, Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory and the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What a powerful prayer that Jesus prays there. I want to start by looking today at that prayer for unity. Let's break it down a little bit. Look at verse 20 and 21 again. He says, and remember, I'm not praying just for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. So if you are a Christ follower today, it happened through the message that the apostles shared, these disciples that he had prayed for already. You see, they established the church. It was through them that God first shared the gospel with the world, that gospel of the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how we find salvation in him. So if you have your salvation today, if you are in Christ today, it was through the apostles who started that process of sharing that message that you got to hear that message. And it's recorded for us in Scripture. So he's praying for us, those of us who would believe because of their message that they have already shared. And he says, my prayer for these people that, that will believe in me is that all of them may be one, just as you are in me. He says, the world will believe you sent me if they are one. 
You may remember uh, the story uh, that I shared a long time ago. It was about this guy who was stranded on a deserted island. He was shipwrecked there, stranded for 10 years. One day, a a shipping vessel uh, came by, and they saw smoke coming from the island, and they took off in a lifeboat and went to the island to check it out and found this guy there, been there for 10 years. And the guy was overjoyed, and he says, I'm so thankful to be rescued. He says, but before we go, I just want to tell you about life on the island here. And he he said, look, here's here's my hut that I built right after I got here to live in, and uh, I've been living in this hut for 10 years. And he showed him another hut. He said, this hut is the kitchen where I cook because you know, it's too hot to cook in that hut where I live. So I had a separate hut that I cooked in. And he showed him another hut. This is where I kept my supplies in, tried to keep them dry because and, and I knew I had to make them last as long as I could. And he showed him another hut. had a cross on the top. He says, this is the church that I attended while I was here. I, I wanted to have a church. And the guys are listening to him and looking, and they saw another hut off in the distance that had a cross on it, too. They said, well, what's that one over there? He says, oh, that's the church I used to go to. (laughs) Isn't that the case? Jesus prayed that we would be what? One. And how have the followers honored that prayer? Not very well. One of the saddest realizations of that to me in the world it's not only do we have all these different groups and denominations but we're separated primarily in churches across america by race and ethnicities that's why we still use the term black church or white church or hispanic church or latino whichever term you want to use or laotian church or whatever it is right we're still dividing up and all these different groups, while Jesus prayed that we would be what? One. That we'd be one. How are we going to help the world deal with the racial tension and division that's out there if we don't even get together and do life together in the church? How are we going to make people one in Christ when the church isn't even acting like we're one in Christ? See where the problem is? That's why I love Lakeshore so much. It's so dear to my heart as a pastor to see how people are coming together from all these different backgrounds and and racial groups and ethnicities and and, and even different levels of of income and and places that we live. We've got people connecting from all over the area. It's amazing what God's doing here. Don't take this for granted, friends. This is powerful. And the world needs to see this and hear this and experience this now more than ever in our country. And I'm so grateful God's done a work like that here at Lakeshore. And it didn't happen by chance. It happened because leadership committed to it. It happened because members were willing to lay aside differences and say, you know what, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we may be different in a lot of other ways. And we're going to support each other and love each other and care for each other. It has to be a choice that you make. But even when you make the choice, it can only happen by the power of the God Spirit living in us. That's how it really happens. And, and we need to get back to committing to that. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now, that sounds 
high and lofty, doesn't it? Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. We're called to be children of the king, right? How do you live a life worthy of that calling? Here's what he says. Listen. Be completely humble and gentle. Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't sound so powerful, right? But he says, that's how you're going to live a life worthy of your calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I love that the NIV and other translations try to say that kindly. Bear with one another in love. You know what he's saying? You guys need to put up with each other's junk. That's what he's saying. You got to be willing to put up with each other. If a marriage is going to last, what have you got to be willing to do? Put up with each other. It's not like dating people. It's not. You can get all cleaned up pretty good for a date. You wake up with morning breath tomorrow morning, that ain't the same, right? You've got to be willing to put up with some stuff if you're going to stay together. You have to. The same thing is true in the church and our walk with Christ. If we're going to have unity as followers of Jesus, we've got to be willing to put up with one another. And, and the little idiosyncrasies that aren't what we would want them to be and even some of the things that are really hard for us to deal with. He says then, verse 3, make every effort. That means in the original language, you go to the limit on this. Okay? You put all your energy and effort into this to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he says this, there's one body, one Spirit. You were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Do you think he wants us to have unity? Absolutely. He wants the church to lead the way for the world and what it means to be one, what it means to have unity. He wants us to be the example for the rest of the culture on what that looks like. And friends, there is nothing in Scripture about a black church or a white church or any other group out there. Nothing. We're one in Christ. Psalm 133, the psalmist said way back in the Old Testament, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's good, it's pleasant, it's a beautiful picture for the world to see when God's people live together in unity. So Jesus prays for unity, which leads to number two today, and that is the product of unity. What does that produce then if we honor Jesus' prayer? He says in verse 22, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. And then he says, here's the product, here's what it will produce, so that, they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Do you understand the connection here? He says when God's people can do this, can honor this prayer, then the world will start believing in Jesus. Did you catch the connection there? As long as we keep dividing ourselves up into all these different groups, we don't have the powerful testimony to the world that God wants us to have. We don't. This hurts our witness. It hurts our testimony when we keep dividing up into all these different groups. What really will cause people to pay attention to Jesus and believe that God sent him here, as the scripture says, is when they see the example of the church doing something that the world has not ever been able to do before, which has come together in unity. Oh, we've made efforts throughout the history of humankind to bring people together. 
You remember the song? We are the world. We are the children. Right? We've tried all those things, right? How effective have they been long term? Zero. Oh, we've improved some things by making laws, but has that really unified people? No, it hasn't. Because that comes from in here. That comes from a transformation of mind and heart that happens when we come to the Father through His Son, Jesus, and we have His Spirit come and dwell us and empower us. That's when we can be one. But even the church hasn't done a good job with living that out and setting that example. And that's one reason the church has not been as effective in bringing people to Christ as we could have been. It's because they will have more of a willingness to believe in Jesus if they see his people doing something they can't do without Jesus, which is the unity that he's calling for as brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you realize, I looked this up again, I, I was amazed, I, I had forgotten how big the number was. Worldwide, it is said that, and I don't know who counted this and how they broke it down, they said there are 45,000 different denominations worldwide. 45,000. Jesus prayed we'd be what? One. We went from one to 45,000. We haven't honored Jesus' prayer for his followers. We haven't. And that's why I love being part of Lakeshore and leading as a pastor at Lakeshore and seeing God working. And it's not easy and it's not always smooth. You know what? Unity is messy work. It is. Because remember, we have to put up with stuff we don't want to put up with to have unity. But that's the only way to have it. So it's messy and it's hard. But is it what Jesus prayed for? So if he prayed for it, is it possible? And if it's possible, does he expect us to do it? Yes, even when it's hard, even when it's messy. That's what he wants. That's what he expects. That's how you live a life worthy of the calling you have on, you, on, on yourself from Christ. It's by living like this. John 13, verse 34, he said this. A new command I give you, Jesus is teaching here, love one another even as I've loved you, so you must love one another. And then he adds this in verse 35. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you quote a lot of scriptures. Is that what he said? If you attend church every week, is that what he said? They'll know you're my disciples if you, if you protest the right things. Is that what he said? No. They'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. Now he's, he's not even talking about loving non-Christians there. That's not even what he's, he's not even going there. He's saying within the body of Christ, what do they need to see? Us loving one another. That's how they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. That's powerful. You don't see it out there in the world, but they, God expects them to see it in the church. That's where, he, that's where he expects the world to see this being lived out in the church. So that's the product of unity is we can actually be one. And then verse number three is the purpose for unity. Look at verse 23 again and 20, uh, through 25. The first purpose is that we can dwell with him. Listen, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be where? with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you've sent me. 
So the first, first goal here, the first thing that he really wants the purpose of unity to be is so that we can dwell with him. You know what's not going to be in heaven? Separate sections for the black church and the white church and the Hispanic church and the Latino church or whatever, you know. It's not going to be sectioned out that way. You're not going to get to decide, well, I like this group better in heaven, so I'll just hang with this group in heaven. You know what heaven's going to be like? The Father's house, one house. Room for everybody, it says, in that one house. We're all going to be together in that one place in the presence of God. Maybe we ought to practice that here before we get there. Maybe we ought to work on that a little bit. Commit to that. Start living that out before we get there. So that's one purpose for unity is so that we can be in heaven because we're not going to get to separate in heaven into these different groups that we form here on earth. There's not going to be a Baptist section and a Methodist section and a Presbyterian section and an independent Christian church section. There's not going to be any sections like that there. There's not. So we don't get to divide up that way. If they did, you'd see the Baptist section. Everybody be sitting in the back, right? You'd see, you'd see the Apostolic Church of God. They'd be dancing, right? You'd see, yeah. But there's no sections like that. It's just one in Christ. But the second reason is we can become mature members of the body through this process of committing to unity. Look, listen to Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. When he says he gave them, it means he gave them to the church, all right, to Christ followers to lead them and teach them. That's what he's talking about if you look at it in context here, okay. He gave them to teach them, he says, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service, all right. So he, he wants us as pastors and teachers to equip those who follow Jesus to do the work of service that God wants them to be doing. Listen to this. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, what's that word? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Friends, church leaders are going to be held accountable if we keep promoting the white church or the black church or whatever other group. That's not the role of church leaders. The role of church leaders is to teach and equip and build up in the service in unity. He wants us to be brought to unity. And any pastor that's not doing that is not doing their job. Any pastor that's not doing that is going against the will of God for their church. And it's time for pastors to wake up and do a better job with this and lead like God calls them to lead. And I will be a pastor that will always call us to what God calls us to. And, and we have other pastors on staff here and other leaders and elders on staff here who are going to call us to this because this is the will of God for the church. It's been his plan all along. Anything less than that is not God's church as he planned it to be. And I know white families that if they go to a church that has a lot of black people in it, their families will, will tell them they're doing the wrong thing. And I know black families who attend Lakeshore who have told me point blank their family has criticized them for going to a church with a white pastor, right? They say, you know, you should go, you should support the black church. You know what you should support? The truth of God's word. That's what you should support. And it's time that we as God's people commit to that above our own preferences and above our own family's preferences. 
and commit to the truth of God's word. So he says in verse 14, Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind, by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, right? We need to do this in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. You know how we know we're growing up to be the mature body? There's unity. That's the evidence that you're growing up to be the mature body of Christ. Is there's unity with diversity. There's unity. Unity doesn't happen by uniformity. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about uniformity where everybody looks alike and sounds alike and, and, and does everything exactly alike. That's not unity. Unity is with our differences, we still come together as one in Christ. That's unity. And so he says, we'll grow up to be that mature body. He says in verse 16, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So who has a responsibility for this? Every part has a responsibility for this. You have a part to play in this. I do. Everybody does. Your part is to grow up and mature and promote unity in the body of Christ. My part is to grow up and mature and bring unity to the body of Christ. All of us have a responsibility to make sure this is being done. And then the body is stronger and healthier and we can accomplish what God wants us to. Which leads to the last thing, the fourth thing today, and that is the path to unity. How, how do we get there? with all the division in our culture, in our world today. How do we get there? You know how we don't get there? Still separating ourselves out and just promoting causes for our group. That's not how you get there. Don't get me wrong. There are causes that deserve our support, and we ought to speak up against injustice of any kind, any kind. Obviously, God's people should do that. But we cannot make it our life mission just to be committed to this cause because it's for our people the cause of our people is the cause of christ that's the cause of our people it's the cause of christ that's the cause that should be the highest calling of our lives the call of christ now the call of christ calls for justice it does it calls for for uh it, it calls against racism of all kinds it does do that but that, we, we can't start back here and say, that's the cause of my life. We've got to start here, Christ and his call on my life. That's the call. That's the cause that is supreme in my life. Because if we get that one right, all the others fall in line like they're supposed to. All the others start to line up and function the way they're supposed to when you get that one right. You start anywhere else and you can't get there like you need to because you don't have that one right. And that's where the power is. That's where the love is. That's where the ability to have unity is. It's in that common bond you have in Christ. We have to start there to get this done. You start anywhere else, it's going to fall short. So we got to start there. And then when we start there and we really lift up Jesus and we bring ourselves humbly under Jesus, then Jesus' teachings teach us you can't hate anybody else because of the color of their skin, right? or because of how much money they have or don't have, or where they live or don't live, or what ethnicity they're connected. You, you can't do that if you're 
if you're submitted to Christ and his authority in your life. You see how that works? Everything else lines up when you get the supreme first one right. So he says, I made known to you, verse 26, I made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. He says, if I'm in them, then the love you have for me can also be in them. And when you love like God loves, can you have unity? Absolutely. See, that's where it comes from. Loving like God loves us. I'm so thankful God doesn't just love a certain part of his creation when it comes to humanity. What part of God's creation of humanity does he love? All of it. So when we learn to love like God's love, when we have his love in us, that's what makes unity possible. And anything short of that will always fail. Always fail. Because in the flesh, we are prone to sin. But in the Spirit of God, that's where we can do powerful things that we can never do on our own. So it begins with getting that priority right first. I love what he says in Galatians 3, beginning with verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. How many of us are children of God through faith? All of us. Black people? White people? Latinos? Yeah. Asian? Yeah. See how this works? All people. Everybody. We're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So now I'm not Randy Cordell, older white American. Now I'm clothed with who? Christ. So who am I? What's my identity now? Child of God in Christ. And if you are in Christ and you have different color skin than me or you come from another country than I did, but you come to Christ and you clothe yourself with Christ, how should I see you? As a child of God in Christ. Right? How should you see me? Child of God in Christ. You see, that's where unity comes from. It can't be forced on anybody. I hate to tell you this. It can't be forced by getting the right president in office or passing the right laws. That will always fail. It has failed through the history of the world. How many times do we have to learn this lesson? It will happen when the world is called to Christ. And it begins with the church getting their act together and being the witness to the world that God has called us to be. So he says, in verse 28, he goes on to emphasize this, right? If you clothe yourselves with Christ, there's neither Jew or Gentile or slave or free. There's neither male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Did you hear that? When you are in Christ, there's no more, there's no more ethnicity that divides you, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter, right? You see, ethnicity doesn't divide you anymore. He says, listen, there's, there's neither slave nor free. No matter what social standing you have in this world, that doesn't exclude you or include you just based on that. You're all one in Christ, right? And listen, he says, there, there's neither male or female. So gender doesn't play a role in this at all, right? 
It's not, it's not men have more access to Christ than women do or women have more than men do. No, gender has no part in this, in this unity that happens in Christ. He says you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. That's the only family that we belong to. God made a covenant promise to Abraham that through his lineage, he would bless the world and restore all things back to their created purpose. He did that through Jesus. So if we are going to be unified as God's people, it begins with our connection to the Father, which is made possible through his son, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your lesson today from your word. What a prayer Jesus prayed. What an amazing, powerful, beautiful prayer of what his will is, what his desire is, what his plan is, what his purpose is for us who would follow him and his teaching. Father, we, we repent before you for any of the times we have not lived this out as your people. And Father, we recommit ourselves today as your people here in this place that we will live a life worthy of the calling we've received in Christ. And we will be the example of the unity you want for your people. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone hearing this message today who is, who is searching for this, who is longing for this, who wants to be connected and a part of this, that today through your spirit you would prompt them to take the steps that they need to take to come and be united together with Christ, which would then unite them with all of us. Father, we pray for all who would come. In Jesus' name, amen.